0: Welcome to the State of Business with the Ohio Society of CPAs. I'm Jessica Salerno, Senior Content Manager at OSCPA, and this is the show where we bring you the latest news impacting the business and accounting world from top experts. In this week's episode, we're going outside of Ohio and hearing from Paul Neifer, a CPA in principal with Clifton Larson Allen in Washington. Paul specializes in income taxation, accounting services, and succession planning for farmers and agribusiness processors, and he's a regular speaker at national conferences and contributor at agweb.com, a site that delivers business information on American agriculture. Paul told me about his passion for agriculture, common misperceptions about farming, what it's like to run a farm as a business versus a lifestyle, and what CPAs who are interested in the agriculture niche need to know. He also recently started a podcast where he interviews farmers and experts in agriculture called the Farm CPA Podcast. Here's what Paul had to say.
1: started the Farm CPA Today blog clear back in 2009, and then because of that, uh, you know, I, I became a columnist for uh, Top Producer Magazine, and then I was reaching out to him, and I said, hey, I think it would be a good idea to have a, uh, a podcast called The Farm CPA, and we can sort of dive into, um, you know, whether it's with a farmer, with an expert, or whatever it might be, so, no.
0: That's awesome, and I'm curious, um, in reading your profile, how familiar were you with, you know, agriculture, farming, um, when you came to the accounting profession?
1: Well, I grew up in a farm in southeastern Washington state, which is where I'm currently based. My wife and I own a 200 acre little working ranch in southeastern Washington. Uh, We also own farm ground here in Washington, Iowa, and I'm just in the process of buying another 360 acres of irrigated ground in southwest Missouri, believe it or not. So uh, I, I had a pretty good background in ag growing up on a farm. Uh, actually seriously considered going into farming instead of becoming a CPA, but uh, decided to become a CPA. And it was interesting. My dad thought that that was, because uh, uh, he only had an eighth grade education. He was actually born in 1912. Uh, he was uh, 47 when I was born. So um, because of that, he thought that being a CPA was better than being a farmer. Now, whether I agree or disagree with that, but you know, that was what he thought would, uh, it would be a good profession for me to go into.
0: Wow. And it sounds like too, I mean, it sounds like obviously you were so, so close to farming, but that you have a real passion for it.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, my, my favorite, my favorite activity as a CPA is actually going out and visiting farmers on their farm. I, I did. Oh, I'm just trying to think. I had one of those yesterday or no, two days ago. Uh, I had. I think I had another one last week or two last week. Uh, you know, that's, that's my idea of, um, even even on a vacation uh, I was actually uh, my wife and I were babysitting my my five month old grandson and my two and a half year old granddaughter up in northern Idaho and I went out and visited a new farm client at their uh, their ranch so that was that was my my idea of a vacation
0: Then it sounds like um, you're in the right right niche then
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no I would for me it has definitely worked out. Uh, uh, like you say, that's my passion. Uh, I, I love farming. Uh, now there's times where farming can be a little bit of pain, especially if, as a farmer, you know, you're sort of at the mercy of the market. I mean, you don't set your price. You know, most manufacturing companies, to some degree, now they have competitors, but to some degree, they're able to set their price, whereas farming has to be given a price. So they're told, here's your price, take it or leave it. So now, now that price can vary up and down. Uh, for most commodities, now some commodities it's set, but uh, for most commodities, it can vary up and down. So, and, you know, they really don't have any control over over their revenue. They have control over their production, but they don't necessarily have as much control over their revenue.
0: And over the years, if there was someone listening to this podcast, um, an, accounting, an accountant, a firm who were interested in getting into the agriculture business, they were interested in those clients, what would you say they should be aware of?
1: You know, they really need to understand, and especially from the tax side, that there are many, many Parts of the tax code that are specifically rated related to farming, Uh, you know, if you don't have that experience in understanding those provisions, you can end up hurting your uh, your farm clients. Secondly, where a lot of I think CPAs out there uh, have gotten better, but certainly with the CFAP program, the coronavirus food assistant program last year and then uh, MFP from the year before um, the interplay of tax law and the farm program payment limits has become more and more pronounced. A lot of farmers qualified for much larger payments, but because of their structure that we had set up for tax purposes, you know, the structure might've worked for tax purposes, but it doesn't work for farm program payments. So you really need to understand, you know, what, what is the income tax rules? What are the estate rules? Cause farmers typically are land rich and cash poor, which means, you know, there's certain estate tax planning that might be more applicable to farmers than to other clients. And then what is that farm program payment? So those are some of the key areas that they really need to understand before they really dive deep into it. They really need to get some good training on that.
0: And like you mentioned, Paul, you have a a, real passion for farming and agriculture. So I'm curious, how would you say that you've seen this industry evolve over the years?
1: Yeah, it's, it's evolved. Um, you know, certainly technology is getting more and more used in agriculture and even by us as, as CPAs or tax preparers. Um, you know, the, the, the idea of some, a farmer, a large farmer, sitting in a tractor all day or sitting in a combine all day really isn't applicable. They really become more of a logistics manager. You know, they're out there managing the farm operation, not working on the farm operation, so to speak. Uh, the regulations, you know, whether you're talking now, like in our state, we're dealing with overtime. You know, farmers now have to start paying time and a half once they go over a certain number of hours the water regulations, the spray regulations, the fertilizer regulations. Uh, also, a lot of farmers are transitioning from regular farming over to organic farming. That's a three year process. And, and there's a lot of regulations associated with that. Uh, plus, you know, the, the lack of, of labor, just trying to get people that will work on a farm operation uh, the, the immigration issues they're dealing. So it, it has definitely evolved now. They're still involved in the process of planting a kernel of corn or wheat or rye or oats or soybeans or whatever it might be and watching it grow and, and nurturing it. But uh, it, it, it is definitely much more, I think much more of a business. Uh, I think before it was probably, let's take my parents. Yeah, they ran it by like a business. But it might have been more of a lifestyle for them. Uh, These days, in order to make a living in farming, you can't treat it as a lifestyle. You have to really treat it as a business. And I think that's definitely how I've seen it evolved a little bit.
0: And that's so interesting. And and earlier, when you mentioned, you know, maybe someone's. Uh, perception of of a farmer would be them sitting in a tractor all day, and you know you said that's not really the case anymore. Um, what are some misperceptions that you think people still hold about farming?
1: Well, I I, I think the misperception is that uh, you know that they're wearing overalls and and you know it's it's sort of like uh, um, Green Acres or that or maybe RFD or whatever, but no, they're they're very uh, technologically advanced. Uh, uh, you know, they're dealing with large amount of money. Uh, you know, some operations might be managing, you know, 10, 50, hundred million dollars of transactions. You know, there's lots of farmers out there that are that large, um, you know, they're, they're, they're mapping their, their, all of their ground. They're doing yield uh, analysis. They're determining, uh, do we want to go into a uh, specialized fertilizer application where we might uh, uh, put, you know, 200 pounds on in this area and 100 pounds here and 50 pounds there, sort of call that the prescription, you know, the, the I have to understand the, the hybrids that are available. So uh, yeah, the, the idea of a farmer just being out there working in the shop or working on the tractor, really for most of the farmers that I deal with, uh, uh, the, the, probably a lot of them spend more time behind a desk or in front of a computer than they ever do on a combine or a tractor.
0: Which I imagine probably to most people, especially someone unfamiliar with farming, um, might be surprising to hear. And I thought it was especially interesting what you mentioned about how technologically savvy they have to be. I think that might not fit um, necessarily with someone's perception of farming either.
1: Yeah, no, no, they're very, uh, well, in order to run the equipment these days, uh, you know, there's multiples, there's probably hundreds of computer chips inside of a John Deere combine. And in you know inside of a, a case ih quad track or whatever the piece of equipment might be the planter you know the planter is such more much more advanced than the planter that i well we, we had grain drills when i was growing up uh, which there's still drills out here when you're dealing with wheat but uh, you know the planter technology right here is very advanced and you know that planter is going to run two or three hundred thousand dollars the combine is going to run four or five six hundred thousand i've seen an invoice for a million dollars. Now, whether that was the actual purchase price, but that includes the corn head and the, and the 45 foot draper. So, um, you know, it's just, there's a lot of investment. It's a very capital intensive business in, in, in order to be a farmer.
0: And when you are talking and working with clients, are there some common pain points that, that seem to come up?
1: Yeah, I, I think that Especially right now, with the proposals uh, by certain members of Congress and the President Biden came out with this Green Book, uh, this potential transfer tax is top of mind with all farmers. Every farmer I've talked to, matter of fact, I did a uh, a conference back in Iowa two weeks ago, and and we discussed, or actually it was last week. Uh, time sort of flies, but uh, you know, I had an hour discussion on the possible transfer tax and other items that are being proposed. That, that seems to be really uh, re- resonates with the farmers right now that this is a bad provision. Um, you know, we, you know, I think they understand, okay, a state tax, we can deal with that. Um, I think even to some degree, if they said, okay, we don't get a step on basis at death, they could probably deal with this. But the idea that we now have to pay a tax just because we transfer assets to the next generation, um, you know. and on top of it, we have to pay an estate tax. So there's really a double tax here. Uh, that just does not go over very well with all the farmers I deal with. So that's definitely a pain point. I think another pain point is just getting a better handle on their actual accounting. Uh, most farmers really, I, I would say a lot of farmers leave it up to the CPA to help them with their accounting. And I'd like to see the farmer actually get more and more involved in the, come up with a little bit uh, better analysis on their accounting system. Uh, I'm the past president of the Farm uh, yeah, the Farm Financial Standards Council, and we, we have some guidelines. Uh, there's a guidebook I would certainly recommend for any farmers interested in improving their accounting, go to that. It's ffsc.org, uh, so Frank frankfranksamcharlie.org. Uh, I, I would certainly recommend downloading the the material. It'll help you out, understand how to better uh, do your accounting for your farming, because when you have better accounting, you actually are able to make better decisions uh, that without that good uh, grasp of where you're at and what you're really making, it's just hard for them to pull the trigger on their marketing decisions. So those are some of the pain points I see.
0: And this is another thing I was wondering if this was maybe a, a misperception that that people have and and I was curious about is are you working with a lot of family run operations?
1: I would say 90, 98% of the farmers that I deal with are family run. Oh wow. You know, even large farmers are still family run. There's still there's still a key family that's running it. Uh, um, they're, they're not really that many, quote, what I call corporate farms, at least that I deal with personally now that they're out there. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think the misperception is that large farms are all corporate farms. I hear that terminology all the time. Well, no, it's still one family. That, you know, they might be 50 million of revenue, or 100 million of revenue, but it's still one family. It's not, you know, it's not the Walmarts of the world. That are farming. It's it's still family 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 farms are probably generate 95% of the of the ag grown or that's consumed in the U.S. That's grown in the U.S. Now a lot of ag comes in from outside the U.S. But that's a misperception that I that I see all the time and and that sort of is a little bit of a burr under my saddle. Uh, the, you know people they they throw this term corporate farms and and they think that applies to all farmings because they're big. Well no it's still a family. It's still, you know, one family that is running and owning that farm. So I, I just don't like that terminology.
0: And how does that impact uh, how you interact with your clients when so many of them are family run? And and I also imagine that you might be talking to multiple generations of the family when you're working with them.
1: Yeah. And matter of fact, we're going to have a meeting uh, tomorrow with, uh, with a new farm client that's, uh, uh, you know, at the table, there'll be two Uh, two generations you know mom and dad and then and then the kids um, that's very normal um, you know and and to some degree I I tell the younger generation I almost feel more like a millennial now because I'd rather text than do a phone call you know because I (laughs) hate voicemail voicemail tags so uh, yeah and 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 I think it does help to have a farm background you know when I'm when I'm talking with them um, you know, they can bring up terminology that I understand and I can throw out terminology that they understand. Now when we get in the accounting side, it's a little bit different, but actually the younger generation, they're much more, I won't say, I shouldn't say much more, but they're, they're likely to be more inclined to even embrace technology even more, to embrace uh, having better accounting records and account systems and so on. So I, I actually enjoy working with all the generations.
0: And had there been any really memorable client experiences you've had, especially, uh, since you mentioned, like, sometimes you're, you're going out and seeing these farms yourself.
1: You know, I I'm, I'm going to say, um, some of my, um, best memories are writing combines with my clients. Now I'm out here in, in what I call, um, steep country. I grew up on a farm that had 45, 50% slopes, uh, I was actually riding a combine last year with a client of mine and we slid down the hill. Now, we didn't slide a lot. We probably slid 20 or 30 feet, but that's that's always a, a fun experience to be in a, you know, a 40,000 pound combine and still sliding down the hill. Um, uh, you know, I, I've had, uh, I've seen some of my clients be very successful in getting, you know, a $9 bushel corn you know, uh, they shared that with me. Uh, you know, I've 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 gone on trips with lots of my clients. Uh, you know, I've had clients that uh, uh, that we were involved in helping them sell part of their farm operation, and, and they were very successful in that. So, I, I wouldn't say there's anything that really jumps out at me as being wow, earth-shattering, but it has certainly been lots of great experiences, uh, just being out on a you know, a ranch out in whether it's Montana or Wyoming or, or Nevada or, or Oregon or Washington and, and then being on farms in Oklahoma, Iowa, Missouri, uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, all over, you know, that, that's the one thing I really enjoy being a more of a, I'm going to call it a national farm CPA. Um, I have clients, not in all states, but pretty close to all the, all the states in the country and, and I enjoy getting out and meeting them. So that's, that's some of the memories I really enjoy.
0: And like you mentioned, I'm sure it it really helps for for those farmers that you're working with. Like you said, that you speak their language, that you understand a lot of you know their day to day and what that looks like.
1: Yeah, and 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 I think that's uh, partly why I've uh, really have dived into the farm program side of it because again, a lot of CPAs understand the nuts and bolts of a tax return or understand QuickBook and so on, but really. If you don't understand how the structure that you set up for your farmer is going to impact the possible payments and those limits, because there's multiple moving parts on that payment structure side, uh, you know, you can really do a disservice to your clients by setting up an LLC when, in reality, a general partnership was really what you needed to do, or whatever it might be. So, um, and 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 also, now I got to admit, you know, if I'm if I'm visiting some type of specialized crop. You know, I may not understand how radish seed is grown and harvested or ginseng, but I still understand, hey, they're using a disc or they're using a plow or a chisel plow or a tractor or some type of harvesting equipment. And I usually pick that up fairly quickly.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it makes sense that, you know, some of, at least having a general understanding of those things would definitely transfer over to, to different crops, even if you aren't, like you said, like intimately familiar with that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah-
0: And looking ahead into the rest of 2021 and even next year, what do you think, what issues will be top of mind for your clients?
1: Yeah, the, definitely the top of mind is, is whether there's going to be major tax uh, reform uh, being passed this year. You know, likely major tax laws always wait till the end of the year. Now with the, with the progressive/ slash Democrats in control, they're trying to push it through, but they, they still don't even have any type of agreement on infrastructure. Uh, so, yeah, and we know what Biden has proposed. We know what some of the senators proposed, but, you know, there's there's a very, uh, you know, the Senate is basically 50-50 tie. Now, uh, Vice President Harris can break that tie. And then over on the House side, uh, the Democrats only have five, five majorities, so they only need you know, five of them to decide or six of them to decide, hey, I'm not going to go along. Um, so I, I, I don't think there will be major changes, but there will be some changes. And some of those changes could affect agriculture and the effect could be material. Uh, that's really going to be top of mind is this, this uncertainty as to what's going to happen with income taxes. The one thing I, when I was doing my seminar last week, I, I got up in front of the, uh, the audience and I said, here's the one thing I can guarantee taxes are not going down we know they're not going to go down they're going to go up we just don't know by how much and who's going to be affected so that that's really top of mind also you know i, I think farmers you know they've had about seven years of really bad pricing and i'm talking grain farmers in general right now and you know the last year or so maybe a little less but uh, you know we've had a really strong rally in pricing uh, i think what farmers really want to try to do now is bank some of those profits um, because you have to bank it in those good years in order to take advantage of it in the lean years Uh, you really make your money in the lean years the good years are designed to you know to provide that cash cushion that you need to take advantage of those opportunities in the lean years so that's that's certainly some of the discussions we're having with farmers right now
0: thank you to paul for taking the time to speak with me about what it's like serving farmers as a cpa was there anything Paul said about farming that surprised you? You can let me know at jsalerno, J-S-A-L-E-R-N-O at ohiocpa.com. And please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. We love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening.